I'm really excited to be here tonight to preach uh, the final message for our semester. And, um, you know, as I'm wrapping up this executive director role, uh, something that like uh, Rona had mentioned, I've been doing for six years. I kept thinking, what's the last message I want to preach? Um, not that I'm not going to preach again at Emmaus. I know I will, but as the director, what's the last message I want to leave to the students, to the staff, to those that are staying, to those that are going? And I kept thinking about that over and over and over. You know, when I took over in 2009, this ministry used to be called YCF. Yonsei International Christian Fellowship. And uh, a couple of the staff were actually students themselves when it was YCF staff. If you were a student, then why don't you guys raise your hand real quick. Right? Can you imagine them as freshmen, sophomore? You, you guys thought you were a hot mess. They were a hot mess over there. That corner, lots of foolishness that happened over there. Um, Yonsei International Christian Fellowship. And when I took over, I remember God just speaking to me and saying, you got to change the name. You have to change the name. One, because who the heck remembers YCF, okay? People just don't do acronyms anymore. And second, I just felt like God was going to do something really fresh with the ministry. Um, little did I know we were going to be going to different campuses. Uh, we did have that heart, but... Um, I, I wasn't even there yet in my faith. I was just trying to think how I'm going to possibly lead this ministry. Uh, but when we were thinking about names, we <laughs> came up with all sorts of ideas. Um, at the time, on staff with me was a gentleman named Brian Kim. He serves at Itaewon, our Itaewon campus of New Philly, Matt Walker. And also uh, Pastor Marcus, who's now the campus pastor of Itaewon um, campus, uh, for a new Philadelphia church, but he at the time was just a young, young little Jashik. Like he was a, he was a student too at YCF back, back in the day. He was a predecessor of all of these guys. He was one of the OGs, um, who like came out twice maybe when he was maybe there. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, now he's, now he's a pastor. Um, yeah, God uses the weak to shame the strong, right? Uh, that's the same situation for me uh, as well. Um, but when the four of us got together, we were trying to think about what name should we have. And we kept referring back to the Emmaus account in Luke chapter 24. Uh, and there was just something about this story that resonated with us and what we felt like our mission was. Here, two disciples completely disillusioned, disappointed, the man that they thought was going to be the champion, the next official, the next leader for the people of God, not just in spiritual sense, but we're talking about like an actual political figure. This was the prophecies of the Messiah to come. This man that they were hoping to be, that person to fulfill that role ends up getting killed, crucified on the cross. One of the most shame kind of deaths that could have uh, happened completely it's called a cursed death and they were so disappointed walking down this Emmaus road and they encounter a complete stranger who overhears their conversation obviously we know that that stranger is Jesus but it says in scripture in Luke 24 that their eyes were kind of blinded to that truth and they're walking with this stranger and they talk about their disappointment. And all of a sudden the stranger opens up the scriptures and starts referring back to what we now know as the Old Testament and starts referring to all these prophetic words 
about this Messiah and the pain that he was supposed to suffer and actually the prophetic word about the crucifixion. And as they were listening to this man talk, this stranger talk, it says that their hearts were burning, burning within them. It, it, it couldn't, ex- they couldn't explain that, but something was stirring. Something was coming alive inside of them. And all of a sudden they, the, this stranger gets ready to depart, but he returns because they invite him, please join us for dinner. And he sits with them and he breaks the bread. And it was then their eyes were opened. It's funny because Jesus broke bread the night, uh, the night before he got crucified. And it was to symbolize what was going to happen. This bread represents my body and this wine represents my blood. It was a picture of what we now know as communion, but it was a picture of the crucifixion. It was through this picture, all of a sudden their eyes were open and they realized the truth that this savior that they thought left them was murdered, was a disappointment, was actually alive. As soon as they realize that he disappears and they get up from their seats and they run back to Jerusalem, which is where they left to tell everybody that Jesus is alive. The words in scripture says the Lord has risen indeed. When you read this passage, there's just something about it that, that makes me feel like, man, if I'm going to do ministry, this is what I want to see. People who are disillusioned, disappointed, depressed, discouraged, coming along some strangers who they don't even know. And yet through these strangers, scriptures being opened up and all of a sudden hearts begin to burn. People start to feel alive and the revelation of Jesus Christ coming into their life. And it doesn't end there. The moment that they realize Jesus is Lord, Jesus is actually alive. Jesus is actually the savior. They run back to their Jerusalem to tell everybody what they saw. That's the Emmaus road experience. And that's why we're called Emmaus. Cause we want you guys to have an encounter an encounter that changes your life so much that you can't help but to run to your Jerusalem, whether that's your family, whether that's back in the States, whether that's here in Korea, whether that's in your schools and shout out, it's actually true. Jesus is actually the Lord and Jesus is alive and he's alive right now to have that kind of life changing encounter. That was our desire. And that's why we named it Emmaus. And along the way, we started coming up with all sorts of, I don't know, vision statements, belief statements. I don't know. We, we try to make it all official. I'm terrible at things like that. And, um, I think it was Rona who was like, we should have like a belief statement. I was like, I don't even know what that is. (laughs) And, um, and we came up with one and this is where these sweatshirts came from. This phrase made for more is part of our belief statement. This is why we do what we do. And when when I say we, I'm talking about everyone that serves in this ministry from our student leaders to our volunteer staff, to our full-time staff that support raise. Why we do what we do is because we believe that you were made for more. And that's the title of my message tonight. If there's one thing I want to leave this ministry with is that you were made for more. And so I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, you were made for more. So we're going to talk about this. What the heck does that mean? Made from war? Well, what does that mean? I'm going to break it down. And I'm going to talk about how exactly you are made from war. Number one, you are made from more than your bondage. 
You were made for more than your bondage. You know, there was a time in my life where I thought my addictions would always, always be my identity. When I looked at my life and the sin patterns that I was struggling with, I thought I'm always going to struggle with this. I looked at addictions with drugs, with pornography, with masturbation, with lust, with relationships. I thought I was always going to be struggling with these things. I felt like I was always going to be a victim. I was a victim of rape. I was a victim of abuse. And I was also an abuser. And I thought, man, this is just who I'm always going to be. I was a Christian, by the way. But even as a Christian, when I looked at my life, I couldn't help but to have that kind of self-shame and self-hatred. And I thought, I get this. This is it, I guess. This is all I can be. Because I've tried. I've tried to change. I've tried to get set free. I've tried to be better. And this is all I seem to be able to do. This is as far as I can get. This is as much as I was made for. This, this was a lie that I had. And you know what? So many of you guys can relate to that. You came into this ministry with all sorts of rags on you. All sorts of titles. Unlovable. Unworthy. Ugly. Whatever it may be. Things that people have spoken over you. Things that you might have spoken over yourself. Things that you've struggled with. And you thought this must be who I am. This is as far as I can go. And I'm telling you tonight, no, you were made for more. You were made for more than your addictions. You were made for more than those rags. You were made for more than those lies because you guys are precious sons and daughters of God. And there's a true identity that we can only find through having faith in Jesus Christ. And it's, trust me, it's so much more than what we've come to believe ourselves. God has called you out of darkness into his glorious light. Some of you have experienced this kind of freedom. And you're familiar sharing things that you've never told anybody before. I can't believe I'm saying this, but this is what I've been struggling with. And immediately you sense a certain lightness. Why? Because Satan is always trying to keep that stuff in the dark. Because as long as it's a secret in your life, it has power over you. But even if you're in the middle of struggling with something, the moment you confess it out loud, all of a sudden you're releasing the authority that it has over you. And you're saying, you know what? This is the truth. I'm struggling with this and I need your prayers. There's power in just confession in just confession. Some of you guys took it even a step further and realized, you know what? Not only can I confess this struggle, but I want to repent. I want to turn away from this. I I'm just so sick of dealing with this in my life and I want it out of my life. And you guys were able to repent some in front of your peers, some in front of leaders you guys voiced it out loud and scripture says, first John one nine, if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just not only to forgive you of your sins, but to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's the type of God that we serve. He's a God that gives us the grace to forgive those that we need to forgive. He's a type of God that gives us the grace to break out of the addictions that held us in bondage for years and years. He's a type of God that takes our pain, the, the thought that we're a victim, everything that could go wrong is always going wrong in our lives and turn that identity around to someone that's more than a conqueror. That's the kind of God that you and I serve. You were made for more than your bondage. And I'm praying and I'm believing that during this season, you learn that the Lord is your rock, that you've been learning that he's your fortress and your deliverer, the rock in whom you take refuge. He's your shield and the stronghold of your salvation. 
This is Psalm 18. This is one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible because this represents my deliverance. This is when I learned how powerful, not I was, how powerful God was. If you look further in Psalm 18, verse 19, it says this, he rescued you because he delighted in you. Well, technically it says he rescued me because he delighted in me. But the words I want to speak to you tonight is he rescued you because he delighted in you. Not because you did anything. Not because you said these magic words, not because you worked your way for it. It's simply because God looks at you and delights in you. And so he rescued you. Verse 24, 28, my favorite says he turns my darkness into light. Everybody say that he turns my darkness into light. God can turn your darkness into light. I can stand here and talk about my addictions for hours. I mean, I don't want to because I got so much more better things to talk about, but I can. Why? Because I've been set free. And I know that I can speak freely without shame because those things do not tell me who I am anymore. They were once the clothes that I used to wear and they were once the titles I used to brand on my head everywhere that I went, whether people noticed or not, I was covered in shame, but through the grace of God, through the rescue of God, I can stand here and know that I stand clothed white and pure, not by my works, but by faith, by grace. He turns my darkness and he makes it into light. That's powerful. You were made for more than your bondage. Whether you're a believer or not, the devil's going to constantly try to trap you into thinking that you are what you do. That when you fall, that's as good as you are. And when you get an experience that's so powerful, but then you make a mistake later on. See, what did I tell you? I told you. I told you I'll never, ever be able to break out of that. These lies, these deceptions, trying to touch your identity. And I'm telling you, number one, you are made for more than your bondage. In fact, the truth is you were made to be free. Galatians chapter five, verse one says, it is for freedom. Christ has set us free. You were made for freedom. You guys really believe that? This means in any place of your life that you experience the opposite, it's not, it's not right. It's a trespass. It's something you don't have to live with. It's something that you need to break out of and believe that God can set you free from. Any place that you feel constrained, we got to address, you got to confront in faith because you were made for freedom. You were created to experience freedom. The second thing is that you were made for more than your deliverance. You were made for more than your deliverance. Okay. So some of you experience freedom. Woo. God has set me free. I've heard some incredible testimonies, even at the banquet. Some of the testimonies that were put on podcasts that you guys shared at large group. So powerful of how God has set you free through the community, through the word of God, through scripture, through prayer, through these experiences, encounters, God has set you free. But that's not it. That's not all there is. You were made for more than that. Not just to be free. But we live our lives like now that we're free, it's all about maintaining. Okay, so I got set free from pornography and masturbation. Therefore, my life is now about avoiding it like the plague. Okay. And as successful as I am to avoid these temptations, that's as, that's as good as it's going to get. 
Woo, this week I was good. I did not look at something I needed. I shouldn't look at. I was, I was good. I was clean. I was pure. High five. Way to live life. No, 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 no. You are made for more than that. You are made for more than just avoiding sin. You are made for more than just avoiding this kind of pain and struggle or deception. You were made for more than just constantly falling and picking yourself up. You know, we think testimony and we think about what it, what kind of terrible thing did I do that God set me free from? That's what we think our testimony is about. And so you deal with people who didn't do stupid things and they feel like they don't have a testimony. Like snap, I didn't do drugs. Mm. And I didn't. I didn't, I didn't go through that, that PE went through. I didn't, I didn't smoke marijuana. Dang it. What kind of testimony do I have? And we, we, we begin to belittle the story that God is writing in our lives. Listen, your testimony about deliverance should be introduction. Okay. That's not your, that's not the apex. That's not the climax of your story. That's like chapter one. It's not about how you were born again. It's about how you live your life. What kind of exploits are you doing for the kingdom of God? What kind of partnership do you have? How is God using you? What kind of signs and wonders are you getting to experience? Now we're talking about what your life should be like. Not just merely getting set free. That's just the beginning, folks. You know, I'm about to pop out a baby in like a couple of weeks. It's like, honestly, I'd like to do it like tomorrow because it's getting more and more uncomfortable But if the biography of my daughter was all about her birth and her birth alone, that would be pretty sad, wouldn't it? And you know, some births are easy. I talk to all sorts of women. I don't know. You get pregnant. Everyone wants to tell you their story of how they delivered their baby. And some of them, you just don't want to hear. You know, some people are like, oh, it was so easy. You know, I just, I did this. I pushed, you know, and then ba-bam, baby. And I'm like, dude, that's awesome. Pray for me, you know? And then I hear like, oh, I was in labor for like 48 hours and, and the baby wasn't coming out and I was screaming on top of my lungs and I saw my husband, I hit him and, and I'm like, oh my gosh, Jesus, I need you. And husband stay, you know, arms length away from me. And it's all these stories, but if your life is only about the story of your birth, come on. You were made for more. When this baby comes out, it's the beginning. Hello. My life has just begun. Now, what is she going to do with her life? That's where the story is. Yet we're constantly focused on just the rebirth. And listen, uh, the rebirth is so important. You can't live life without being born. And in that same way, we can't live a Christian life without being born again through Jesus Christ. It's not possible. It's through our faith that we can experience this, but still this is foundation and this is beginning. You were made for more than just being birthed into the kingdom of God. You were made for more, but the devil is going to try to tie you down to this, to this place right here. The struggle of just what it means to be saved. You know, that word salvation in Greek, sozo is a holistic word. It's not just going into heaven. It's talking about being completely restored physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. When you come and and you're born again through Jesus Christ, 
God is inviting you to experience the fullness of restoration in him. Anything and everything that was stolen by the devil, God can completely restore to you, not just restore to you, but restore to you double fold. Isaiah 53 verses 45, it says this, surely he took up our infirmities is referring to Jesus and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities and the punishment that has brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. This is the transaction. This is like the receipt of what happened. You go to a store, you go shopping, you buy a couple of sweaters, you give some money. There's a transaction that happens and you get a little piece of paper telling you what went down. This is a transaction of the, of the cross of Jesus Christ. The price that he paid for you. And this is what we get in return. It's not two sweaters from Zara. We're talking about peace. We're talking about healing. We're talking about restoration. We're talking about the fullness. The fullness of life. Through the cross of Jesus Christ. This is what we have. When we're reborn. That's just chapter one. Yet we're constantly struggling right here. Most Christians stay right here. Struggling with their identity, struggling with their worth, struggling with addictions, struggling with needs, struggling with all these superficial things. You know what? In a nutshell, struggling with just you. When you pray and all you can pray about is you yourself, you still in chapter one. God help me. Lord, I, Lord, me, Lord, I, listen, you were made for more than that. You were made for more. Your life was created to impact so many other lives, not just yours and your faith designed to impact nations. But again, enemies trying to keep you here. You were made for more. Let's get out of chapter one and let's go to chapter two. Shall we? Let's not forget who we are. You don't, you, listen, repentance is something we never graduate from. When this baby is born, she's going to have to learn how to breathe. Because right now she's in fluid. I mean, can you imagine? Amniotic fluid sounds so uh, awesome. <laughs> I was going to say nasty. But um, she's in fluid, but she's not breathing the way that she's going to breathe as soon as she comes out of the womb. Her first breath, it's, 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 she's practicing. Actually, she, uh, she gets hiccups every single day. I know it's strange. It's like, she just gets hiccups and I'm just like, Oh, (laughs) it feels so weird. But they say she has hiccups because she's trying to practice how to breathe right now. She's trying to practice how to breathe for when she comes out of the womb. The moment she comes out and she takes her first breath and she starts living her life, she's going to begin to learn how to breathe. See, that's like repentance. That's like identity. That's like knowing how powerful you are in the Lord. It's like learning how to breathe. It's essential. You can't skip those steps. This is what gives you life. This is what what causes you to grow. This is what causes you to be alive. It's those basic things. But eventually breathing is going to be like second nature to her. And she's not going to have to fight to breathe. She's going to start breathing and she's going to start discovering her hands. Oh, look at that. Oh, oh, wow. Oh, 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 you know what I mean? Like she's, she's going to go from breathing to discovering her hands, to discovering her toes. 
I don't know how babies do it, but have you seen babies put their, stick their toes in their mouth, you know? <laughs> so nasty, but <laughs> so delicious. Eventually, she's going to learn how to walk. She's going to learn how to run. She was made for more than just breathing, but breathing is essential. Essential. It's the same thing. We can't, you can't graduate from repentance, guys. You can't graduate from your identity. You can't graduate from those foundational things. You can't say to yourself, I'm made for more, so I don't have to repent anymore. I'm made for more, so I don't have to, you know, read my, read the Bible. Cause that's, you know, that's elementary. Please. No, that's like breathing. You don't do that and you can't live. That's life. So I'm not saying, when I say you're made for more, I'm not saying you forgo those things. I'm saying you build upon it. So we got to build upon chapter one. And we got to go past that. We got to go further than that. God doesn't want your prayers to just be repentance about what you're sorry for. Or about what, what you need to be getting set free from. He wants to mature you and advance you. And he wants to tell you the mysteries and the secrets of his heart. He wants to speak to you about things he wants to do in your family. He wants to talk to you about specific people in your school that he wants you to reach out to. He wants to talk to you about nations, countries, even maybe where you're from, your universities. He wants to begin to whisper things. Hey, guess what? I have a plan for USC. Guess what? In the next five years, I'm stirring up revival and I want people to get in on it and you're one of them. He wants to begin to share those things, but we're constantly, I, me, me, I, 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 me. And we can't hear God speak. But you were made for more. You were made for more. You were made for more than your bondage. You were created to be free. And you are made for more than your deliverance because you were made to set others free. When I talk about my story, I don't like just stopping at the part that God set me free. That's fantastic. It's nothing can change my awe and my thanksgiving to what God has done in my life, but it doesn't stop there. I've used my testimony time and time again to be a prophetic word for others who are in that same bondage. And I've sat and I held hands and I've bawled and cried with people. I didn't even know when I hear them confess their issues in front of me, because I know that God is doing a powerful work in their lives. I've led countless healing and deliverance sessions. I've led so many people through forgiveness. My testimony doesn't end with my, me getting set free. It's about me being able to be a part of setting others free. And this is not a pastoral role. This is a Christian's role. Isaiah 61, the Lord, the spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness, the prisoners. This passage was a messianic prophecy about what Jesus was going to do. He was going to come anointed. He was going to preach the good news. He was going to proclaim freedom for the captives and release darkness from the prisoners. But get this. Jesus left these words to his disciples. He said, everything you've seen me do, you're going to do and even greater things. So even though it's a messianic prophecy about Jesus Christ, you got to read that and say, that's what I'm called to do. Because as a Christian, that means I'm a follower of Christ, little Christ. And if I'm a follower of Christ and I'm going to do what he did. 
I'm going to learn to lay down my life as he laid down his. And I'm going to learn to preach about the father as he did. And I'm going to learn how to set the prisoners free and release darkness from those that are in bondage. Release from darkness those that are in bondage. You're called to impact others. That's, that's the story of your life. Let's move on from chapter one, guys. Your journey, your life journey, what is your goal? What does it mean to be a Christian to avoid sin? No, it means to become more and more like him. That's the journey that you're on. That's the process that you're on right now. It's called sanctification. Every single day, your heart and your desires today, Lord, help me be more like you. When you look back on 2014, God, I hope that in 2014 and I look back on 2013, I can say that I'm becoming more like you, that I know you more and I'm becoming more like you. That should be your heart attitude. So even if you're doing the same old thing, you're still at the same school in the same family with the same classmates, you should be different. You shouldn't be the same. Your thinking shouldn't be the same. Your posture shouldn't be the same. Your heart attitude shouldn't be the same. You should be transformed and changed because you're becoming more like Christ. That's got to be your heart. You were made for more than just getting set free. You were made to set others free. And you're thinking, well, okay, P, what does that mean? I got to go around campus carrying a wooden cross and telling everybody to repent for the kingdom of God is near. And if they don't, they're going to go to hell. No, sometimes you can shout Jesus more loudly and more accurately just by living a life. Just by being kind, just by treating someone with value and with respect, despite what they believe. Just by paying attention to someone who's a complete loner in the class and everyone else has rejected and going up to them and just sitting down and saying, Hey, I know like, like Sam, you know, probably what he experienced. No, I'm <laughs> Sam, hi, it's okay. It's okay. I see you. I see you. Just by loving someone, think about it. When did you experience God? It wasn't just at the altar crying. You've actually been experiencing God through people this whole semester by someone calling you up. Be like, Oh dude, I heard you're sick. You Okay. You want me to bring you something? That's the love of God. Someone telling you, listen, I know you don't want to go to familiar today, but you need to go. That's the love of God. <laughs> Some of y'all need to love more. You know what I'm saying? Talking to your not unbelieving friends. That's the love of God. We're not meant to crowd around all the Christians and just hang out with all the Christians and talk about Christian things. No, that's not Jesus. Look at the life of Christ. He went to those that were completely broken, who the other Christians, well, they weren't Christians, but who these, these Jews completely ignored. Pharisees would call them tax collectors, sinners, prostitutes. I want nothing to do with them. He went to those types of people and paid attention to them and listened to them. And didn't do what they did, but still was able to love them. You were made for more. You can shout Christ in so many ways, but the biggest way above all is to love. And to love means to stop thinking about just yourself, but to consider someone else. That's love. 
the moment your prayers begin to change to not just you, but you start to feel the heart of God towards other people, you know that you're maturing. You know that God is calling you to the next chapter where you're able to realize, wow, God, it's not just about me. You love me and you are going to take care of me. That's a given. I don't need to worry about that anymore. I don't need to pray about my needs anymore because just as it says in Matthew, the birds in the air, the flowers on the field, you take care of them. And just like them, of course, you're going to take care of me. I don't need to worry about me, but I'm going to start praying about this person. And I'm going to start praying about my family and I'm going to start praying about this nation. And I'm going to start praying about this, uh, this university. That's when you begin to start stepping into your destiny and into your calling. You are made to set others free. So you are made for more than your bondage. You were made for more than your deliverance. And finally, you were made for more than loving others. We're not done. It doesn't just stop with loving others. You are made for more than that. This life, this call that you, God has placed specifically for you, it's supposed to be incredible. Now, let me use the word incredible. I didn't say easy and I didn't say comfortable, but I did say incredible. God's call for you and what he has designed for you to do and predestined for you to do is unfathomable. Like it will blow your mind how powerful you actually are and what you're capable of doing, how you are actually able to manifest the power of God. It will blow your mind. You have no idea. Cause if you did, you wouldn't be worried about the small things y'all worry about too much. You have no, you are still discovering that. And you know what? The truth is I'm still discovering that. We're all still in that journey of learning just how powerful we are in Christ. We're getting revelation of that day by day. We're still growing in that knowledge. But no matter how incredible this life is meant to be, we were made for more. We were made for more. You can help change nations, change your school, get everybody in your family saved. But the truth is you were actually made for more. What more were you made for? Well, let me put it this way. There's going to be a time when this life finishes and we step into something called eternity. And this, this is what we were made for. We were made for eternity. What does that mean? Just endless time. Sometimes, you know, as a kid, I used to think about what heaven would be like. And the fact that heaven never ends would freak me out. You ever think about that? Like, just, just like what everything I know has a beginning and an end. Everything in my life, every stage in my life has a beginning and an end, but eternity, what is that? And I sit there and I think about it and I get really stressed out and I'm not a thinker type. I'm really not. (laughs) I'm not the type to like, you know, deep thoughts. And, And so, you know, my head's like hurting and I'm just like eternity and, and stressing me out. Seriously. I just can't, I can't, I can't understand it, but deep in my heart, I know I long for it. There's this disconnect between what it's going to be like and yet this dissatisfaction I know I'll always have as long as I'm here on earth. No matter how fantastic your life is going to be, you will always long for more because this isn't it. This, what we're living here, as powerful, as amazing, as incredible as God has called it to be, it ain't it. 
Even this is still just a chapter in our story. We were called for eternity. But what does that mean? John 17, 3 says this. This is eternal life. That they may know you. This is Jesus speaking to God the Father. This is eternal life. That they may know you. The one true God. And Jesus Christ whom you sent. Eternity is not just talking about time. It's talking about revelation. You know what this means? This means you and I can start experiencing eternity right now. This is eternal life to know God. Do you guys know that God has given you access to know him? That's crazy. And guess what? We can't finish that assignment in just this lifetime. Because there will forever be something new about God for us to discover. And that's why we're made for eternity. In Revelation, they paint a scene of what the heavens looks like. And they have all these crazy creatures. I, don't, I can't even go because when I read it, I'm like, whoa, eyes all over, tails, horns, all sorts of strange things going on in Revelation. And all these elders and angels. But one thing for sure is they shout out, holy, holy, holy. And every time they say that, it's not because of just the same revelation. The moment they take another look at God, it's a new revelation of his holiness. God, you're completely different. Two seconds later, holy, holy, holy. Again, God, you're completely different. You, we have all of eternity to know who God is. Because it's going to take that long. He just never ends. That's what we're made for. And that's why even if you're living life to the full, there still is that, that, but there's more. You're always going to have that. You're always going to have that. That's never going to go away. No matter how successful you are, even in kingdom terms, even if we want to talk about like, you know, biblical Christian, holy success, still you can do epic exploits for God and you will still yearn for more. You will still long for more because you were made for more. You were made for eternity. So when you wear your sweatshirts and your t-shirts, I want you to be mindful. It's not made for more like, oh, I'm made for a better car or I'm made for more than school or I'm made for more than this. No, 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 no. It's so much more than that. Your lives are so significant. Each and every single one of you. And you guys are so powerful because the spirit of the living God actually resides in you. He's created a home inside of you. It used to be in something called the Ark of the Covenant where the spirit of God resided. And people, even if they touched it without the proper precautions, they would drop dead. It was that powerful. That same powerful spirit is now in us. We're living temples. My question is, are you ready to live your life based on that truth? Are you ready to get past chapter one? Are you ready to share a testimony that's beyond getting set free? Are you ready to step into your destiny to set others free? When you guys get ready to transition to this next semester. Maybe some of you guys are graduating. Some of you guys are returning home. Some of you are going to return back here to Emmaus. One thing is for sure. I hope you change. I hope every 
semester, you continue to change. I hope every year when you reflect, you can say, I'm changing. I'm being transformed. I'm being sanctified. My circumstances may be the same, but I am different. Some of you guys are going to return home and it's going to be so difficult because everything is going to be as if you left it. Your friends, your old lifestyle, what they expect of you, how they expect you to act, speak, talk, your family. Some of the discomfort, some of the uneasiness, you might have forgiven them and you might have changed. But when you walk into that room, it's going to feel like the same situation over. But it's then and only then you got to remind yourself, this is the same, but I'm different. I'm different. This is the same university, but I'm different. This is the same family, but I'm different. These are the same group of friends, but I am different. God is transforming me and is going to continue to transform me. You have so much to look forward to. So you were made for more. It's time that we we live like it. When you, when you believe this, that you being made for more has nothing to do with what your skill set is or, you know, like what you've contributed thus far or how, how many QTs you've done this week or, you know, how loud you can pray. When you understand that you were made for more simply because God has set you apart, because it's God that puts that value and that truth over you, man, you can really start living the life that you were called to live. It's, It's not what you do that defines you. It's actually what you believe about yourself that makes you do what you do. If you believe that you will always struggle with something, the result is you will always struggle with it. If you believe that this is as high as you can go, you will always just go that high. But if you genuinely believe that through the grace of God, you were made for more, watch what you're capable of. Watch. So let's not just wear the sweatshirts, stretch the sweatshirts, sweat in the sweatshirts, (laughs) take photos in the sweatshirts. Let's live these words. Let's believe these words. Let's pursue a life that embodies what this phrase says, that we honestly, truly can stand on this truth that God, because of you and only you, I can say that I was made for more. I want you guys to just bow your head.